Yo, 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 what's up? It's Chris Sims. Chris Sims unbuttoned. It's Super Bowl week, baby. That's right, Super Bowl 56. You might be able to hear the noise around me right now. I am in the NFL experience. I got the Super Bowl trophy right behind me. I got crazy Raiders fans walking by. I got it all going on. I'm glad to be here. You should check out, first off, I'm on the set of Pro Football Talk. Florio and I will be doing our show live 5, 5 p.m. Eastern time all throughout the week. Okay, that's how we're going to film it, so please check that out. But for my podcast, they're a little different this week. Interviews going to be happening throughout the week. NBC hosting the Super Bowl. I got the opportunity last week to go hang out with the Rams for a day and be around a lot of their players, be around their facility, and I got a chance to interview Sean McVay. McVay, an awesome guy, a guy that I've had a relationship with for a long, long time, and this will be a part of the NBC pregame and our five-hour show leading up to Super Bowl 56, and I had a sit-down interview with McVay, which will be unveiling there, but first it will be unveiled here on Chris Sims Unbuttoned. We talked for a long time. We hit all subjects. I hope everybody enjoys this. Here again, once again, Super Bowl 56 head coach Sean McVay sitting down with me. Yes, just Chris Sims. That's all I am. He's Sean McVay. All right there, Super Bowl-bound Sean McVay. Man, I mean, we got a little history, first off. Back in the day, this guy used to sit at the the lunch table with me at training camp. I'll never forget how good you were to me. I had just finished up playing ball. I come in there. I don't know anybody at the beginning of training camp. And uh, and you were great to me, man. But those those are the things you always remember. You know, the way that people treat you and the way you treated me, that, that always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, that's why we're friends to this day. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. All right. So I want to get into some things here. You know, of course, like, really want to start from basically a year ago. Yeah. Here we are, you know, a week before the Super Bowl. But a year ago, this time was one of the, the big, you know, changing moments of your football team. Matt Stafford. All right. And that's where I would just want to go. Yeah. Like, what was the what first off for you the light bulb moment to know that okay I might need a little bit of a change at that position or we got to do something else at the quarterback position? You no, know, really, Chris. What ended up happening was you see that you know he had gone and, and talked to ownership and they gave gave him permission to seek a trade. Gotcha. You know, so the wheel you're saying all right, when does a guy like this really become available? You don't know exactly what the parameters are going to be, but then you know Brad Holmes going there as the GM, there was some immediate connections and right. You know, we're in Cabo. I'm out there with, uh, you know, my fiance and Whitworth and his family. We're literally watching the NFC Championship games. You know, we're kind of out by the pool enjoying that. And uh, and Stafford had been texting with Clint Bolin, who was a former teammate of Whitworth's. He said, oddly enough, Stafford is actually coming out to the same exact resort we were staying at. And you're like, you know, everybody thinks it's all fixed and stuff like that. But right. it organically occurred. He ends up coming in with his wife and some friends, uh, you know, that day. And, you know, we start hitting it off and, you know, just talking ball, hanging out. It was the best organic free agent visit you could ever really have. And then you start saying, okay, is this a realistic possibility? And I think things accelerated faster than anybody thought. But, I mean, that was really the start of it. And just getting to know him and and the way he's wired and why his teammates have always loved him, coaches. And then you start studying the film. I'd always appreciated him from afar, you know, when you cross over. But when you're really watching him, like, okay, let's really watch the intricacies of the game, the way he sees it, the way he's able to move and right. uh, manipulate the pocket and coverage contours, all the throws he can make. I mean, the guy's special. He really is. You, I mean, we've talked about this. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, I know it is. So I, that's where I'm shocked. First off, I, you know, it seemed like the fix was in with Brad Holmes going there, yeah. but this was already kind of on the radar from his standpoint a little bit. 
And then it kind of just grew from there. When Brad Holmes went there, it became more of a real possibility. It really was. You know, I think yeah. he had had that conversation, um, you know, with Mrs. Ford beforehand. And, you know, when Brad got there, they knew that was, okay, probably when he and Dan Campbell got there, I think that was something that they knew. All right, we had kind of, you know, given him the thumbs up that he could seek a trade. And so that dialogue started. I don't think the timeline that it actually occurred was was what anybody anticipated. Yeah. but. It gets out, you know, somebody ends up reporting that, hey, the Rams are interested, and that accelerated the talks, you know, much faster than anybody anticipated. A lot of other teams kind of tried to get involved, and, you know, fortunately for us, you know, the the Lions had real interest in in acquiring Jared because of the success that he had had, and then it was figuring out the parameters, you know, to have an owner like Mr. Kroenke that was so willing to, you know, say, hey, we felt like this was a chance to upgrade our team and and wanted to be able to do that, you know, not minimizing all the good things that Jared had done, but felt like it was a rare opportunity and it came together a lot faster than anybody, you know, could have ever imagined. It's amazing. Nothing comes together that fast in the NFL. it really doesn't. It it really doesn't. I I, I mean, I want to get into just a little bit like you studying him because the perception is Matt Stafford, it's all stats. He can't win a big game. He turns the ball over in big moments. I know I've been a defender of him. Totally. You know, but when you turn the film on, you know, just give me some of those first few thoughts when you went, oh, my gosh, I'm looking a little deeper into this guy. Yeah, I, I think the thing that really stood out to me is the most difficult time to play quarterback are in those known passing situations. Right. You know, whether you're two minute end of the half, end of the game, you're coming from behind the third downs. And that, to me, is when he shined his brightest. You know, I thought in the red area as well, the tight window throws. But you just watch. I mean, just the feel for the position. And I think when you have to play the quarterback position in those known passing situations, that's the most difficult. And defense is in an advantage. They're able to tee off. They can you know, provide a bunch of different looks. And I thought he really shined, whether it was man coverage, uh, whether it was zone coverage, understanding how to move and manipulate people, and, and just playing the position at an elite level in those most difficult spots is really what resonated and what I thought shined through when you start watching the film. And you know, he elevates people around him. You know, the other thing that I love is you just watch the way his linemen respond when he makes a play or they're going to help him up. No doubt. You know, he's just got he, – he, I'll tell you what, he's got a lot more shit in his neck than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, right, you know, He's a right. great competitor. I mean, I think right. we've seen that throughout the playoffs. You know, you look at how excited he got in Tampa and talking about stealing people's souls. And, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, he's got such a great even-keeled demeanor when he's talking to the media – but as a competitor, you know, and I love the fact that he and I are close enough to go back and forth at one another in a healthy banter. And so, you know, that's what you want. You know, yeah. we're close enough to be real with one another. And then we move on. And he's, uh, you know, he's a very strong-minded guy. He's got a great way about himself. He's one of the most emotionally intelligent players I've ever been around. You wow. Know, just yeah. to authentically connect right. with his teammates. And he knows how to do it in a way that brings people together. He's... He's special. There's no chance we'd be in this position without him. Yeah. All right. So, like, well, you know, first off, the banter you got me there. Like, yeah. so, so he's yelled at you a few times. Oh yeah. Little Rich Gannon, John Gruden esque kind of thing. I don't right know there. about all that. You know, <laughs> that across the line. Know, but, but we, you know what? It's healthy because yeah. we care about each other so much, and I think there's something to be said for being comfortable to disagree with one another right. and come to a solution. And he's the one out there, and he's got such a great feel. Like what I love as much as anything about him is how quickly he's able to correct himself. He recognizes the information that he gives you coming off. You know, he doesn't need to wait to look at the pictures to confirm what's going on. Yeah, and he's gotcha. got such great capacity. He uses all the inventory that he gathers, whether it's you know previously from his experience that he's gathered from Detroit or even this year, or just in the moment. And it's been it's been invaluable to me to be able to get to certain things and 
um, you know, his feedback. I mean, he truly is an extension of the coaching staff on the grass. Yeah. So you guys push each other. Yeah. You definitely have an open dialogue, and you you have enough uh, confidence in his knowledge that you, you sit back and think about the things he says to you and really take it to heart. It's impressive, Chris. Yeah. You know, I mean, the you know the thing that you appreciate so much about a coach is when you're around players that push you to get better because you want to have answers or they see things or they point out things that maybe you would miss otherwise. And I'm a better coach for having worked with this guy. Yeah. You know, the way he sees it, the way he goes about his preparation, how consistent he is, and. I think it's so valuable to be able to have somebody that won't just agree with you all the time, but, you know, they'll challenge you or, hey, I might see it through a little bit different lens. And, and it truly is a collaboration that we have, you know, and, and Kevin O'Connell's a big part of that and some of our other players. But Matthew's ownership and the ability to kind of just be able to collaborate over this last year has been instrumental in our success. And, and uh, you know, he's elevated everybody around him and, and guys love him. It seems that way. Like you. You know, you're a psycho, and I mean yes. that in a good way. I'll football take it psycho. In a good way. <laughs> uh, like, were you a kid in the candy store? The first few throws you saw in the practice field, you were like, "Oh my gosh, I can run this play or that play." Or, I mean, what did it feel like as the play designer, knowing you got a guy that's really got one of the greatest arms in the history of football? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no limitations, right. and then you know, for him to have the ability to to communicate because you're watching a lot of stuff too. You know, I thought Detroit did a lot of really good things offensively that's maybe a little bit different flavor or genre than what we've done here. Right. But if he's executing at a high level and his ability to be able to basically take it from a coach's perspective, how am I progressing? How am I reading this based on the variety of coverages? What's the intent behind it? You know, I, I just am so impressed with his ability. You know, we always talk about, hey, let's let's call the play. Let's understand the intent of the play, the mechanics, and then ultimately be able to solve the problems. Yeah. And he could do all those things with a lot of the stuff that he had done in Detroit. You're studying him, but then when you talk to him about it, and we've implemented a lot of those things. And then watching how quickly he's taken on you know, some of the concepts that we've run, whether it's the keeper game, the play passes, some of the drop back concepts and the ownership and the ability to be able to kind of push and pull and figure out what's, you know, it doesn't matter who's right, it matters what's right. right. And I think, uh, you know, it's been a really good thing. It's been a fun kind of problem solve, but... You know, I, I don't think he's getting enough, you know, recognition for what a transition he's made. When you think about it, it was a year ago or a little over a year ago that we're really just meeting, let alone meeting his teammates, moving his family across the country, learning a brand new system, new protection calls. And I mean, his recall from the different systems, too. I mean, I can't even remember what we called stuff. You know, when I was in Washington, and because now we've transitioned. I doubt that. You but, probably but, remember. You know, but, like, but just the different <laughs> yeah. vernacular with the right. different coordinators, mm, all of whom right. I have a tremendous amount of respect for. It's like, right. this guy, he is so much smarter and more intelligent than anybody else realizes, and he's one of the best competitors I've ever been around. I mean, if you say, hey, what are you looking for in a quarterback? I couldn't be more grateful to be with this guy. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I can see his influence on your offense. Yes. I, there has been a few plays where I study and I go, I've never seen McVay run this drop back pass on third down. So that's really cool. That's a credit to you. The other thing, you know, I guess what I want to go into a little bit is, you know, we all thought we were seeing the old Matthew Stafford in the middle of the year when it was the turnovers. and It was, oh, no, it's Matthew Stafford from Detroit struck again. You know, how did he kind of fight through that? How did you fight through that? You seemed like you continued to have great confidence and just let it fly with it. No question. Well, number one, he was unfazed by it. Mm. And, And you know, too, Chris, like, everybody's going to always pin those turnovers on the quarterback. There was a couple that we got to make better decisions, but those certainly were not exclusively on him. Right. Some spots, I put him in some bad spots. Sometimes it was a tip ball or he's letting it go with anticipation and we're not exactly where we need to be in the rhythm and timing. But I just think that three game stretch where you're seven and one, you lose three in a row, 
you know, and really we went a month without winning because yeah. our bye was in between that. Right. And and I thought his ability to just stay the course, stay confident, his teammates never wavered in their confidence in him. I know I never did. He didn't in himself. And you could really see with that Jacksonville game and then really, you know, up until the Week 18 game, but I thought he played incredible against the Niners, willing himself, yeah. some of the conversions he made on third down with, you know, some pressure in his right. face. And he's played really good football. He's, he's made great decisions. And I think there's a difference between playing smart football and scared football. And he is not playing in the least bit scared. I mean, he's letting things rip with, you know, the rhythm and timing, but also anticipation. And a lot of guys wouldn't do that. But I think that's a credit to the competitor, the trust that he has with his teammates. And, and you know, he's elevated everybody. And I think he's played his best ball in the playoffs. It seems like it. It seems like your team's come together at the right time yeah. here and, and really starting to hit the pinnacle of what they're capable of. I think there's no question about it. And that's what you want to do. That's what you're always striving to do. You know, the other thing people don't talk enough about is, you know, when you're the quarterback and you talk about, you know, the rapport that you want to establish, he and Cooper have an incredible rapport. But when you lose a player of Robert Woods mm. caliber – and then you bring Odell in. I think it's such a credit to he and Odell watching the rapport they've been able to establish. When Higby's been right, it's been great. But there's been a lot of moving parts that he's seamlessly just kind of handled that I don't know that a lot of other guys could. And we've put a lot on his plate, and he's handled it great. A lot on his plate, but a lot on your plate. That, yeah. That's where I'm amazed by you. I really am in the fact of the stars, all the personalities you've got here. And Never really any, you know, ruffled feathers. Everybody loves it. Yeah. But what what is it about you, the culture you set here, your coaching staff that can bring all these high profile celebrities, really NFL celebrities, into this building and they become selfless? I think the first thing is is we got a great veteran locker room. We got great leaders in there that want to win. You know, and I think the other thing too is is when you come in this building, we care about football, and it's truly a collaboration. It's coaches and players working as one. We're willing to listen, and all these players that we brought in are smart guys with great resume that like football. They're great competitors, and I think that's all you can ask is to be put in a situation where you're going to be positively pushed, but you're going to be respected in the way that we push you. you know, it's, it's kind of the cliche, but we talk about, hey, let's have some urgency, but let's enjoy the way we go about it. And we're never going to be demeaning, but we're going to be demanding, and we're all going to be accountable. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is, is when mistakes occur, I want everybody's first reaction to be, let me look first inward right. and how I can do a better job within the framework of my role. And I think you've seen that, whether it be with our players, our best players set the tone. I, I can remember when my grandpa, I asked him when I was a little kid, you know, why do you guys think you were so successful in San Fran for such a long period of time? Where they go to five, they win five. And, and he said, that's easy. Our best players were the most accountable. They upheld the standard, and that became the norm for what was expected day in and day out. Right. And that's what we've got here. Yeah. You know, that's what we've got with all of our captains are, you know, the best examples of what personifies what's right about the Rams. You, you look at Aaron Donald and what he's meant to this organization. You look at Whitworth. You look at the way that Stafford's come in here. You look at the ascension of Cooper Cup, what Robert Woods has meant to us. You know, you see these guys do such a great job. Jalen Ramsey's, you know, asserted himself as a great leader. And then I couldn't be more grateful for the juice, the swag, the production that both Vaughn and Odell have brought to our team. And I think they're coming together at the right time. But it's about the players. I mean, you're right. Your grandfather, I mean, yeah. you know, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, those are pretty good examples. I hear what totally. you're saying there. Like, all right, so... What, what goes into the research of some of these guys? Jalen Ramsey, volatile corner, wants more money. Yeah. You know, Von Miller is getting up there in age. I don't know if he's a superstar he wants was Odell. Right. Oh, man, he's a misfit. He ruins every team he's on. You know, uh, uh, how much research do you do 
on these guys prior to acquiring them? And then, you know, or, or do you just go, you know what, I think I can make it work? How does that work? Yeah, you know what, I think, you know, first of all, you know a lot of these players already. Right. You know, because the fortunate thing about being out here in L.A., guys want to spend some time out here. So I've been able to have some interaction with Vaughn, with Odell, where you get to know, hey, I, I feel like these are good dudes that are that are the right kind of people that are great competitors. Right. You know, <clears throat> I want guys that that are great competitors. You know, that have some stuff to them, like we talked about. Yeah. And and as long as there can be that shared ownership and that mutual respect, we're going to give respect. We expect it the same way. And those guys have come in and done a great job. But I think you feel good about it when the foundation is set the right way with the right leadership in place. And I'll tell you what, too, Chris, the outside-in narrative about being able to, you know, going all in and stuff like that, I think it's a fun narrative. We've never really looked at it like that. What I feel Mm. grateful for is we have an owner that's willing to trust a lot of the decisions, whether it's myself, Les, Kevin Demoff, Tony Pastors, that we feel like are in the best interest of the team. You're not minimizing, but I think there's just creative avenues of acquiring players that we've really explored. You know, you look at it. Hey, if you feel like you've got a proven commodity, you know, and you can exchange some ones for them. Now, I know that, hey, when you get those guys at that number one spot, they're at a fixed salary that's much more feasible, but you've got a proven commodity. It's potential and then, still, though. Exactly. You know, yeah, you don't know. Right. And I think Les and his group and our coaches do a great job where we've had a lot of picks. Right. You know, we've had a lot of these guys that have asserted themselves as starting caliber players for us or whether it's, you know, doing great things through the undrafted free agent market, you know, all those types of things. So there's other ways and avenues of acquiring and building a team. And even though we are, you know, a lot of teams would say you're top heavy and that can be volatile and, and we're not naive to that, but... Um, our guys have delivered in a big way, and I think that's set the tone for the rest of the team. And those great ones, they make everyone around them better. I think that's the separator. And when you're around those great players like we've talked about, it elevates the rest of the team, and I think that's what you've seen this year especially. So this is not no, this is not a preconceived plan. Yeah. You're kind of just saying it's hap- all happened organically, it sounds like, to where these guys become available and you go, you and Les and Mr. Kroenke go, Let's do it. No question. And, and I think that the guys that you're talking about, it's rare circumstances that when do you ever have a player of Jalen Ramsey's caliber that's actually available via trade? Mm-hmm. You know, with the production, a guy that's an elite competitor loves football. Right. It doesn't come around. And you say, okay, if we can pair him with Aaron Donald, what does that really look like with his ability to be able to get home, what you can do with some of the different things and tilt and coverages and, and things of that nature and um, I think you've really seen that illustrated the last couple of years. You know, for us to be able to, you know, have uh, you know the the ability to go get a Matthew Stafford. When does a guy like him actually really become available? Right. You know, not not from free agency, but right. you're talking about via trade right. and, and where you can see some of the things that that he's got an elite ability to do. And so all of these things have come up, and and we we'll want to be aggressive in our pursuit. But the all in thing, I, I think the the biggest thing that I would say is we always talk about. You know, going attack and success, never being afraid to fail. And right. I think that you see that reflected in some of our approach of, of acquiring players. And, hey, it might not be for everybody. Do I know that that sets you up for a lot of criticism if it doesn't work out? No doubt about it. But you got to be able to, you know, trust the decisions you make and, and know that not everything works out. But if you think it's the best decision for your team and for the people that you love and care about, to try to go attack it the right way, you know, we're going to do it. Yeah, I think the thing that I love is the future. You're not too far down the road in the future. You yeah. obviously don't worry about that too much. Sure. You know, your ability to blend people together, special. And then I appreciate that. You and, and Les, you must have supreme confidence in your ability to 
know you're going to find people in middle rounds. I don't know. That's what jumps out to me. It's it's you got a lot of middle round uh, guys on the team that contribute for sure. I'll tell you what. Over the five years that Les and I have been together, our relationship has gotten stronger. It's gotten better. And I think one of the things that always bonded us from the jump was we see the game through a very similar Mm -hmm. lens and. The types of players, the types of people that we want to onboard, and I think we've gotten better about being more specific and sequential in how that process um, it really is done to be able to, you know, have a higher percentage. Now we all know it's not a perfect thing, but you at least feel like, all right, you've got the right types of guys that you know how to identify, guys that love football, that have the traits, the characteristics. Um, and then there's certain guys that, hey, I don't care where you put Stafford or where you put Aaron Donald or the Ramseys of the world or Cooper Cup, they're going to go succeed, but having some things that you're identifying where you can get players that fill voids, you know, based on the entirety of your roster. Yeah. All right. So now let's get into this team this yeah. year now, right? We talked about all the fluff and all that. Like at what point of this year did you just go, all right, it's, it's clicking. You know, what, was there a game, a moment that you look at, you know, with OBJ on the roster and everything to where you go, all right, I think we got it. We got something here. Was there a, a light bulb moment for you? You know, I think uh, this this year has been a real journey, Chris. Yeah. You know, I, I think when you look at from the very beginning of the year, starting out in Chicago, there was a lot of confidence that I had in this group. Um, and I think where I gained the most confidence in them, you know, not necessarily starting where there's a lot of fireworks and you end up starting out the season seven and one, but watching the resolve when we got to seven and four mm. and how we ended up reeling off a handful of wins in a row and finding different ways to do that, utilize the entirety of the roster um, I think one of the moments that really stands out as a special moment that showed how mentally tough this team was was on Monday night football against the Arizona Cardinals. You end up losing Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby, two key members of our team, the day of. I'm getting ready to address the team on Monday, and we learned that they're out for COVID. Right. And, and the previous day, we had learned that a handful of other starters were missing. And guys stepped up. They rallied. There was no flinch, no blink, found a way to be able to get it done. You know, and then I think the other moment was watching the immediate resolve that was demonstrated after we had a gut-wrenching, you know, loss in Week 18 to the Niners. Yeah. You know, you're up 17 nothing. They end up making it a 17-3 game. It was the, one of the first games where we ended up, you know, not capitalizing on having a lead at halftime. And, right. Um, you know, that could be demoralizing to a lot of teams. But our guys stayed the course, played really well. I thought they played a really complete game against Arizona. You know, and then the Tampa game, I mean, a lot of teams would have folded. You're up 27-3. to Everything kind of working out, and give Tampa credit, they made those plays. But then to go 27-27, and then to watch what Matthew did with the offense, you know, with 42 seconds left after the first play, you know, he thinks he's going to go Michael Vick and run up the middle versus two man. You know, <laughs> that was but, hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was not funny at the time, but we laugh about it now. But you know, there's just so many moments, Chris. But I think the resolve, the resilience, the belief, and the ability to stay connected through the adversity and kind of ignore that outside-in noise, especially in the midst of that three-game losing skid where we went a month without winning a game. Play of the year, probably, right? The post-Cooper Cup. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, they end up zero blitzing you. Give me the pike off, you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, right there, that was just, that was, you know, that was, uh, you know, bunch right king, jack's left rib, and it was spear with a blink on the backside. Spear with blink on the backside. Now, we had a much faster way of communicating that with some code words that might come up in a a couple weeks. You don't have to tell me those, yeah. But you know what was great is, um, you know, the guys did a great job. They were a little bit late hitting that pressure, you know, and... um, you know, it was it was a time that that uh, you know we were able to our guys were able to deliver in a big way. And I mean, you see Sue wins quickly up the middle. 
you know, Murphy Bunting is coming free off the right side, and Matthews able to throw off drift. And I mean, what a freaking throw he makes down the middle. And you know, to actually, that's an example of all that time that those two spend together, Chris. Right, right. You know, when you and a receiver have a rapport like that. And really, that's a throw that typically isn't made, but because of the zero structure, you know, usually that is a you know love of the game route as you've seen out yeah, there. Right. But you know, he's got great leverage on Winfield. He's digging out, and when that when those eyes get back and the trajectory underneath it, it was like it was dropped in a bucket perfectly. And you see the competitiveness on how quick he wanted people to get up and get that thing clocked. No too. doubt. Yeah, he was yelling at I think Sony Michelle, right? Get your butt up there. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? That's that right. was great. I mean, um, so now you're back in the Super Bowl. All right, second time yeah. in, in four years. What do you what do you take away from the first experience that helps you with with this time around? Number one, I think appreciate the opportunity, uh, you know, but but also understand that the job's not finished. I think when we ended up doing, you know, winning the game in New Orleans to advance and play New England, you know, it's such a whirlwind. I think you have a much better perspective and understanding of how difficult it is too. You know, this is the second year that I was in LA. You know, the first year we had we had won the division, we lost in the wild card round to the right, Falcons, right. but um, you know, everything had gone pretty well for us. We had a little bit of adversity even in that 18 season, but. Um, not understanding the totality of, all right, how do you want to, you know, handle those two weeks? How do you best want to prepare? And I think most importantly, how do you want to make sure that you have a little bit more agility and adaptability throughout the course of the game, knowing that, hey, a guy like Coach Belichick is going to spring some different things on you and and you want to put your players in better spots sooner. Um, Those are the things that I took away. I'm not going to run away from the fact that, hey, you know, whether out coach or didn't do a good enough job, you know, those, those are true things. And I can handle that, but I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity that this team has earned to be here and to do a better job within the framework of my role for this team You know, with this other shot that uh, that these guys have done a great hmm. job earning. So, so you, you talk about being able to adjust. That yeah. was the first time you went from kid genius to yourself-proclaimed boy blunder comment, where <laughs> yeah, you called yourself that. Boy wonder to boy blunder. Boy, yeah, yes. and I used to call you kid genius a lot, so... Yeah, so that that would be the thing you've taken away too—a little more flexibility in the game plan to adjust to however they're playing. I think you. so. You know, we did right. a lot of things that year that were—I don't want to say new, but it was different. And right. so um, there were some regulated looks that we had seen defensively. I think there's uh, there's more things that we can do offensively as counters to it now. It's never perfect. You know, I'm not going to claim to have all the answers, but I think just, all right, if they do this, what are the counters? What are the answers? What are the solves, if you will? I think you're right. better equipped with some solves based on the variety of different things that, that defenses can do to try to limit you in one area or the other and how they want to distribute and disperse those 11 defenders. And so, um, you know, I think there's a little bit more, um, you know, things that we could present as a result of having, you know, the players that we have and, and that's, um, you know, those the things that I would say is just the, the, the perspective, right. enjoying the opportunity, but understand, you know, where is the focus and concentration on trying to go win this game with tremendous respect for the Bengals. And then when the game gets going, being totally and completely present and being able to see the game, if there's things that are different, how quickly can we get to those counters that put our guys in better spots? Right. That, that's the biggest thing yeah, that resonates I got you. with me. I got you. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, now with pressure in the Super Bowl, you talked about pressure of dealing with all the stars on your football team. Yeah, how you handle that? Is there added pressure in a Super Bowl moment when you're the host team, the team in LA? Do you feel anything different? I don't, I don't think so. I yeah. think you know. I think there's. Uh, I think there's a you know an urgency and there's an enjoyment with let's finish this job. I think right. there's a confidence that's been earned from this team. You know, we've got some time now. We want to make sure that we're diligent, but we're doing a great job with our prep so that these guys can go into February 13th with a quieted mind, 
go play confident, go play loose, but also, you know, have that ability after good or bad to have that short memory and hit that reset button before every single play. And I think that's coaches and players alike. You adjusted your schedule a little bit differently maybe from the first Super Bowl at all as far as how you're preparing for the game? We did, Chris. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, especially just there's a little bit less limitations with regards to the media obligations just because of some of the COVID restrictions, right. things of that nature. And then also just being at home. And so how do you make sure that, you know, you're not adding too much throughout the course of the two weeks, but getting the game plan finalized, but also keeping it fresh and new for these players, you know, through these next two weeks of preparation. And, and, uh, and it's, it's a little bit different than when you're saying, all right, hey, let's get the majority of the plan in. And then we travel and you know, there's going to be a lot of different distractions, staying in a hotel, media, media night, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it'll be a little bit less uh, obligations in that regard. So yeah. we can kind of spread some things out a little bit more. Yeah, cool. Aaron Donald. Yeah. I mean, I'm a guy that grew up around Lawrence Taylor. And am I crazy to think, like, to me, Aaron Donald's in the club now with Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis, like the greatest defensive players of all time. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a fair thing to say. You yeah. know, I, I got so much respect for the history of this game, Chris. But here's what I tell people all the time. I, you know, they ask me about Aaron Donald. I say, as good as you think he is, and as special as you think he is, he's better. He's just, I, I, he's truly one of one. And the way that he goes about his business, how he is as a competitor – and I think he's even elevated himself even more this year as a leader, bringing people with him. You know, to be able to gather the defense up on the sideline, you watch, you know, the focus and the concentration, the way that he prepares, the way he practices. Um, he is truly, it's a blessing to be able to coach him. He is one of those guys why you want to work so hard to try to just help be a small part of him giving, a, you know, him having a chance to win a, a world yeah. championship. But he's one of one, and, uh, you know, he's... He's everything you could ever ask for in a superstar. The humility, the way he brings people with him. I feel so lucky to be with him. I, I can see it. Like, I just saw him in the weight room. Yeah. You know, comes, says hi, has a smile, and then he's right back under the grind. I mean, yeah. it's really got a special, special way about it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's wired, you know, as physically gifted as he is, he's, he's just as gifted above the neck, you know, with just, you know, the intrinsic motivation that he has, the ability to push himself. The mental toughness is second to none. And, yeah. He's, he's outstanding. Yeah. All right, you talked about, you know, the pressure of having all these stars, and now, you know, people expect, you know, big things. We expect a Super Bowl. You got Odell and Vaughn. You should go to the Super Bowl yeah. now. You know, how do, how do you deal with that? You know, I think what you look at is growing up around this business, like we both did, um, you realize that's a part of this business. And I think those leadership roles, there's naturally going to be always pressure that's a common, you know, kind of accompanying those roles. But for me, you know, I look at it as, hey, I have such conviction and belief in the players, the coaches that I'm surrounded with, that it gives you confidence. And as long as you go compete to the best of your ability and you have no regrets, I don't worry too much about those things. I'm much better probably than I was a couple years ago about not worrying as much about the outside-in narrative. Mm. Every single team wants to try to win a Super Bowl. And if we feel like we're making decisions that do that, even if that means, oh, the expectations, you know, I think there's always internal pressure you put on yourself as a competitor that really doesn't bother me. I just feel grateful, and I think the confidence I have in the people I'm around is what enables you to be able to say, hey, let's move forward, let's go shoot our shot, and let's see what the heck happens. Yeah, you're going to be a crazy guy in here with X's and no O's regardless, so it doesn't really matter. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right, you know, now it's Super Bowl 56. I mean, do you, do you look at this as being a redemption for the loss in Super Bowl 53? You know, I don't know if I look at it like that. I look at it as what another great opportunity, you know, to, to be able to try to share in, you know, a possible special moment with people you really care about. Yeah. You know, 
I think the easiest thing for, for us, Chris, is, you know, you see there's a lot of guys in this locker room, a lot of coaches that want to do it, you know, for somebody other than themselves. Right. And, you know, you talk about the Aaron Donalds of the world, the Matthew Staffords, Andrew Whitworth, Eric Weddle coming back, you know, for this journey. Um, you know, those are easy motivating factors because you love these guys so much. The Jalen Ramsey of the world, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, that you want to work as hard as you possibly can to watch them share in moments like what you felt with the NFC Championship, but knowing that, hey, I got to imagine it's that much sweeter. You know, I have never done that, um, but I think it's because you get another opportunity. You're just grateful for it. You want to maximize it. Redemption, I don't really look at it. You want to make sure you learn from the previous mistakes. But I, I just feel grateful that we're here, but I also understand that, hey, you know, we want to try to do everything in our power to finish this deal. Well, you know, I, I'm going to jump off on one other thing here. Just like, you know, your, your, the mindset you have here, you know, you just slayed a dragon in some ways. I mean, apparently sure. Shanahan was living in your head rent-free, right? Yeah, I mean, all that right. crap, right? You know, how, how, did you, how did you get your team to kind of overcome that mentally to get here in the Super Bowl? Well, I think our guys know, you know, Kyle and the 49ers, they're a great team. You right. know, people want to ask all the time, you know, uh, you know what is it with them? They're a really they're good, good team. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're tough. They right. do a great job. You right. know how much respect I have for Kyle and what he is as a coach and the schematics. But then you also have a vision with the players that fit that mold that he and John have built there. And, um, you know, and then when you look at the games, they've done a great job finishing. You know, there's been a couple of those where they ended up beating us. But, yeah. you know, in a handful of them, it's been a back and forth right. good battle where, hey, let's finish game. it. Right. And we all know from growing up in this game, it's not necessarily anything other than let's play the best we can in this three and a half hour window of time. And I think our guys believe that. And I think that was reflected in when we went down 17-7. Yeah. And the guys just kept competing. And they competed all the way to the end. And they found a way to close it out 20-17. to 17. Uh, But we had tremendous respect for the 49ers. You know, they're, they're a really good team. That's why they were in the NFC Championship. But it was great because it allowed us to be able to advance. Yeah. Um, and I think our guys were able to compartmentalize that, hey, those previous games, you know that this is a you know, team you respect a lot, but what we do in that three-and-a-half-hour window of time has nothing to do um, with anything except for being in that moment, and right. that's what our guys did. Right. All right, your growth as a coach. I mean, again, you're, you remind, you know, you're from John Gruden early days, yeah. and now here you are, like the man. Just you know, talk about your growth. Uh, over these years? I think, uh, you know, the experience is the biggest thing. You know, learning from both the good and the bad. I think early on, you know, everything was was roses. And I think sometimes, you know, those scars that you develop, you know, from the mistakes you've made or the adversity that you go through can harden you in a good way if you take it the right way. Mm -hmm. And when you're surrounded with people that you really care about and and you're able to look at it and take accountability for where your role falls in, in the framework of, hey, we didn't do a good enough job or I didn't do a good enough job. But, you know, being able to use all those experiences to gain the perspective, the appreciation, and then also just continuing to understand, you know, how important it is to be surrounded with great people. The players, the coaches, you know, I have so many great people that I can really lean on that have been a huge part of us being in a position to compete, you know, for a world championship. But I think more than anything, the experience used the right way, both learning from the good and the bad. Yeah. Cool. All right. So last little subject here, because I don't want to, I'm keeping you forever. No, it's all good. I mean, Zach Taylor. Yeah. Guy from your coaching tree. You know, first off, just, you know, what does it mean to face a guy that, you know, you're that familiar with and off of your own tree? I mean, you almost got to be proud a little bit, even though you want to beat his butt. Yeah, no, we're, <laughs> we're competitors. I, you know, what's cool about this, Chris, is you watch, and, and Zach and I have kept in great touch, you know, since the three years that he's been there. 
But you see the mental toughness and the resolve that he's had as a leader, the consistent approach and the commitment to a philosophy and a belief. And then you get the right players. You know, you understand, all right, you see their culture embodied. I think a lot of the things that are good about our team, I see reflected in their Mm -hmm. team. You know, mental toughness, resolve. There's a belief. You've got the right kind of guys that uh, want the game on their back when it's crunch time. And, and, And I see that in those guys. And, you know, I didn't know Zach really too well other than just the respect I had watching the way he handled himself when he took over when Dan Campbell was the interim, OC, or the interim head coach for the Dolphins sure. and he became the OC. Right. I, I really respected the way he handled that transition with class. Thought he did a really good job. And then I remember him as a baller at Nebraska. Yeah. You know, because we're right yeah. around that same age. Right. Um, and you got a chance to get him on the staff. And, you know, you talk about a guy who's got, you know, great confidence in himself, but he's got an even keel demeanor and disposition, really a calm competitor. Uh, learned a lot from Zach. You know, I think we both positively poured into one another. And, you're right. It's uh, it's awesome, but uh, we're, we're going to try to get after him a little yeah. bit, and it's uh, it's going to be two good teams going at it. Do, do you have to go into a game like this with a guy that you know knows you a little bit, might know some of your code words or what you like to do against certain defenses? Is is you know a phrase I use a lot? Self scout thyself. Totally. Yeah. I, I think so. You know, it helped. We we played them in nineteen a little bit, and. I think really what he's done a great job of, and I think you see that from us, like we talked about a little bit earlier, is there are some, you know, we've we've morphed a lot, and it's very different than maybe what it was in 18 the last time we were together. There's still some similarities in terms of how we want to try to run the football, what we're trying to do on early downs or in some of the known passing situations, but there is a lot of change. There's a lot of different code words, different things that we're doing, and right. you could see he's done the same thing with Burrow and their crew there, but... You have an idea of, all right, the philosophical things, the way you want to prepare. But I think there is a fine line between overthinking that and and just going and and putting together a good sound plan, letting these players go execute and and go enjoy the moment. Yeah, all right. You enjoy the moment. No doubt. You're the man. Thanks a lot for spending a little time with me. You're the man. Good luck. Yo, yo, yo. I hope everybody enjoyed that. I mean, come on. What can you say about Sean McVay? First off, he's... As you heard me say, he's a a psycho in a good way. How can you not love his passion for football, the realness and how he answers these questions? And and add on to it, I just can't tell you how amazed I was being around that facility, the environment he has created within that football team. Again, it's special. He's not going to wax poetically about it and, and pat himself on the back as much as maybe I need to in a moment like this. There are a lot of superstars in that team, a lot of different personalities. And they all love playing for the Rams. And that's because of Sean McVay. And he keeps things fresh with his messaging all the time. And even what he calls on the football field, game plans. So he's always challenging the team the right way. He's got the right ear and feel and vibe for his football team to where they want to play for him. He wants to coach hard for them. The staff they have have accumulated there in L.A., all a reflection of Sean McVay and what he is as a person. A lot of good guys on the staff, a lot of smart football people, and that's because of Sean McVay, his ability to communicate, bring guys in that are like him, and, of course, that's resulted in a winning formula for the Los Angeles Rams. I hope everybody enjoyed that interview with McVay. Again, you're going to see it you know, during the Super Bowl pregame show. I'm here all week out in L.A. at the NFL Experience. I'm hanging out with Florio. We're going to have my podcast is going to be, you know, a running thing of interviews, breakdowns of the games. Just check it out. You know, again, we're going to release things almost on a daily basis. So everybody stay tuned. Hope everybody's good out there. Peace out. Talk to you soon. Sims out of here. Bye.